Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, Agency Owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Phil Case. He is the president of Max Connect Digital. He's overseen the agency growth, client relationships, strategy, and brand. He was also a uh, managing partner of Fluid Advertising, where he grew the agency from four people to over 35 full-time employees in a six-year period. And as a fellow agency owner, I know that is a huge feat. And in 2018, he helped launch the Utah Outdoor Association to support the outdoor industry in Utah. He's also worked on hundreds of brands and took an international biotech company public on the NASDAQ in 2020. Phil, welcome to the program. Great to be with you. So, Phil, what I'm always interested in what got people into the agency space. So how did your journey start into the world of digital agencies? I wanted to go be an investment banker. And uh, when I got married and kind of saw the path of what success looked like, I had taken a marketing class in college and had no plans to kind of pursue that further. And I was at a networking dinner learning how to further my career. And an agency owner came and spoke and said, you got to ask for the opportunity if you're looking for a job. And I went up to him afterward and said, can I come intern? And so I started as an intern after a year or two, wanted to get out. And it just continued to work out in favor where I grew in leadership at that agency, which actually was fluid. And after about a 13-year period and, and tenure with them, had an amazing ride. And I never left particularly when I heard clients again and again say, wow, you're meeting and, and being able to have these conversations about marketing. It's the most exciting thing we do every week. And I thought, if I'm the most exciting part of your week, <laughs> why, why do I want to go do banking? And uh, so over time, it's I, I've just learned this is uh, my home and it, it's been a lot of fun. Very cool. Well, I think we're all glad you decided to stick with the agency space and not go over to the blood-sucking investment bankers. So that's cool, man. So, I mean, what what would you say was some of the business cultural shifts being a part of a team that went from four people to over 35? I mean, that's an exciting growth trajectory, but I assume that there was probably changes and evolution along the way. Yeah, it was very messy. And I, I mean, along the way, I remember there was a I think it was in 2012 or 2014, I had kind of an insightful moment where I was at a retreat learning how to become a better leader. And I thought, we don't have a management team. We don't have a leadership team. For me to enact change with a business partner, we only get so far. And we had that at that point had grown to about 15 to 16 people. And we started to not just promote, but involve individuals in making the company decisions in influencing our path forward. And I tell you what, it took about a year to build the right management leadership team, but it made all the difference. The very best ideas came not from us, but from that team. And they continued to shape 
not just where we were headed directionally as an agency, but they enacted change. They were the change agents in the organization. And it was that ability to work alongside other great individuals that I, I think allowed us to be successful. Is that in that 15 to 16 person team size? I mean, it kind of sounds like when you imagine an org chart or an accountability chart, you start to imagine that, that there are, you do need to have more leaders, that the agency owner or a partnership is going to have a hard time. Like maybe they're making 15 work, but we start thinking about 30, like without having leaders within the business. So I'm curious, was the, so you made this decision to, create a management? Was that something that you hired from within or did you bring in outside people through like job posting, kind of bring in like a C-level or management leadership level people that were already doing that for other businesses? It was a little bit of both. I, we didn't at that juncture bring in a C-suite level, but what we did do was we first looked hard and fast of who do we have today and who is of that level of competency and capability. And, and, and we began to do some pretty aggressive kind of coaching where mm. we had, whether it be outside individuals coming in, or we would send our these potential key members off to some of these leadership workshops. But I think it was a combination over about a year to year and a half period of, we probably hired two of those, just making sure we had the right leadership by division, department, and skill set. Um, but then we did a lot to train from within. So it wasn't a, you look like you would do a good job because you're the most senior person in creative. It was, was how do we teach you as well how to be a transformational leader and coach your team? And so being able to have outside help and uh, grow that team internally makes a big difference. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. You mentioned you were looking for people that had the confidence and capability. Can you help me get more specific? If I'm running an agency today that has 10 or 15 people where I'm starting to think about, you know, helping somebody on the team kind of become more of a manager or a leader within the business, what are those things that you're looking for in terms of the quote-unquote DNA of somebody who might be able to fit into a leadership or management role within the company? Let me give you a really recent experience, Brent. We So I'm now part of an agency, Max Connect Marketing. We're at 60 people. And when I joined the team, they were already 35. So we were well beyond where I was at my last agency. And one of the individuals we hired last May in 2021 came to us as an account manager, very sharp. And after about a month or two, I could tell he was a little disgruntled. He had been used to doing things a certain way and hadn't fully acclimatized to the agency and just kind of our way and path forward. But he came and met and met with me and said, I'm concerned that maybe I'm not the right fit for your culture and organization. And then he began to describe some of the things that he thought could be done differently and thought could be improved on. And he actually had one or two pages worth of prepared kind of notes and insights. By the time we finished the conversation, I said, everything you just said, I think we as an agency could build upon, could improve upon. And that individual, that day we said, look, let's find a way to have you be a change agent. And so he went from an account manager to leading a cross-department transformational change team. 
in, in terms of our client experience and how we deliver value to he just was promoted to vice president of client experience and strategy. And so it began with identifying in somebody almost an embryo, the kind of leadership skills and quality and willingness to not just complain, but to say, I actually have some solutions. And when he brought those solutions to the table, you're probably the right person to at least initially cause some change to occur. And we put together that cross-functional team and they've done remarkable things since they've been put in place six months ago. And now he's just stepping into this promotion and we couldn't be more excited in terms of where he's headed, in terms of how he's going to continue to grow those individuals that he's now kind of leading and guiding. And again, we're continuing to coach and mentor him in that regard, but super excited with where he's headed. So I guess for our listeners, find those disgruntled employees that are ready to make some change. But I think there's so much, there's so many gold nuggets there, right? It's that he didn't, he came in and he was unhappy with things, but at the same time, he had solutions, had a plan essentially of how he thought things could be different. I think that's a really key differentiator between somebody who's disgruntled and complaining and unhappy and nobody ever gets me the things that I need and these processes are broken and we're not doing anything right. You know, I, I just having a team member who's complaining about that versus somebody who's coming in and they're not only saying what's wrong, but also how to fix it, which I think is, is a phenomenal way to identify potential people. You mentioned that you've helped to then coach and bring up these people that you know, maybe initially somebody is got the qualities or there's some key identifiers. Hey, this person could be a leader or a manager within the organization, but then maybe you have to do some work to actually train them and help nurture them up. Is that just, oh, hey, here's a, here, read Jim Collins, good to great, and call me in the morning and we'll be, we'll get you a leading, right? Or here, here's the, the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni, you know? Like, I mean, what are you actually doing to then train and coach somebody to the level that you'd want them to perform and to be a leader within the company? Yeah, I mean, so reading is definitely part of it and uh, having the right kind of curriculum that you can point individuals to, but it, it's clear and consistent coaching sessions. It's sitting down with them and say, you had a development goal of doing X, Y, and Z, or you've stood out among your peers because you've exhibited X, Y, Z quality. And now I want you to go help so-and-so who's new. So for example, this same individual, one of the reasons we knew he would be the right leader is because he naturally has individuals come to him and say, hey, what would you do in this situation? And not only was he willing and looked at looking outside his own kind of lane and book of business. And so rather than just kind of heads down of, hey, I'm just going to work and do my own thing, he continually influenced his peers, those that were his counterparts. To even one point, we had an individual come to us and say, I would work for him. If you made him my manager, I'd be thrilled. And so I, I think by observation and peer set, that certainly helps. But in terms of that question of how do you groom someone to be the right leader, again, we bring in um, some fantastic kind of leadership coaching individuals that can provide some of that kind of coursework and sessions and scenarios. But I think the most important thing is seeing them in circumstances where you've given them um, a little bit of an assignment, some responsibility. Maybe it's a temporary committee and saying, I want you to go own this. I have another individual right now that he's beginning to own what the new employee onboarding process should be. And so I've delegated that task. I've given him parameters and said, hey, I'm really interested to see what you make of it. And that's another individual that I'm hoping continues to kind of grow and be developed into another leader. And so I think it's small tasks, checking in frequently and giving them a little bit of some guidance along the way, but really letting them run with it. Individuals 
knowing that they can stumble, knowing that they can make mistakes and you're okay with that and allowing them to fail quickly, learn from those and move forward. I, I think people want autonomy. They want to be able to be trusted, to have responsibility extended, and then recognize them for the success along the way. Phil, I think one of the things that, so hearing you talk about that, I mean, one of the things I know a lot of agency owners struggle with is kind of giving people that space to make mistakes. We kind of, we might have 10 years or 20 years experience kind of doing what we're doing, not just in the work that we're doing, but also in running the business. That I know a lot of people, when they start to like hand over the reins, when they start to give other people control or authority over aspects of their business, they well, they might be reluctant to do that. Or when they do that, they have an expectation of perfection. And that can be really difficult on people, right? You, As an NT member, you might feel like you're being micromanaged. You also might feel like you're never doing anything right. What are the types of things or, or guardrails that you help establish for people to make sure that obviously we're not failing in ways that are like having critical impact on the business, but they're also like we're giving people the freedom to kind of fail, realize that they're, that they've made mistakes and then learn from those mistakes. Cause I know as an agency owner, right? Like I've made lots of mistakes. The reason I'm like good at a lot of the things that I do is because like I've messed them up like 30 or 40 times already. And so I've gotten better with uh, with time or with age or whatever. But I think sometimes we unfairly put people into those seats and then we expect perfection on day one. So what are some of those things that you guys are doing to help people have that freedom. Yeah, I, I, I mean, another individual right now that we're kind of coaching up through the ranks is this individual came to us as an intern out of college. We've hired him full time, put him in a junior role, and we're making small bets along the way. And so, do we give him the biggest account and a multi million dollar campaign to manage from day one? No, we don't. But the things that we have done is we've kind of paired him up with some more senior individuals on the team that he can work alongside that he can observe. But even more importantly, I think just an increasing level of responsibility. And so it's not a sink or swim mentality, but it's a, you know, learning by degree. And so you give him some accounts that are five, 10,000 a month, help him be comfortable with that. He's making mistakes along the way, but they're not catastrophic to the business. And just this last month, as we had our kind of check-in performance review, he kind of said, look, I'm ready for more. I, I want the bigger accounts and you can trust me more. And here's some things that I've learned. And so I think it's not just about extending trust, but giving responsibility, just like you would with a child in accordance to kind of their maturation, their learning. And as they kind of close that knowledge experience gap, I think that helps. But then to be honest, you just, I've had some fantastic individuals that have said, you know what, if I want to go uh, to where we hope to, where I hope to go, and if we want to grow our business to 30, 50, 100 million dollars, it doesn't happen by me micromanaging and being in every aspect of the business. And so I just, I think seeing others that have succeeded along the way where they've delegated an entire division, jobs, functions, and role where they still have oversight and uh, visibility, but allowing them to, I think, truly own something and carry uh, forward the baton. We've made some um, senior vice president roles recently at the turn of this year, and where we'll have them own 40 to 50% of our revenue. And these senior vice presidents, we've said, look, you're the decision maker here. We'd love to have you run things past us, but ultimately we put you in that role for a reason and we trust you. And I think people rise to the occasion. And if you if they see that you don't really trust them and they're a pseudo leader and that you're gonna call the shots at the end of the day, I, I think that turns them off. And so I think it's really bestowing that level of confidence and autonomy and getting out of the way. 
I like that phrase. I mean, I don't like the phrase pseudo leader, but I like the phrase. I think so many people, they they want people to be accountable for something, but they don't give them, they give them the responsibility and the expectation, but they fail to give them the authority and the freedom to actually make mistakes on what they're doing. And, and, and if we're trying to grow businesses, it's there's no formula. It's not like, oh, go do these 10 things and you're going to get to 100 million, right? I mean, you're going to have to try a lot of things. And I think as leaders, we either aren't willing to make those bets or we're not willing to let other people make bets and learn from those mistakes. I mean, obviously, we want to avoid fatal mistakes if possible. One thing that, so so you kind of talk about being like a, a transformation architect. And I think transformation, it sounds exciting. Like we're going to transform, right? We're going to change. But I feel like changing things and transforming things, there's always a lot of difficulty you know, be people resist change and we break stuff. We, people maybe don't stay part of the company and we have to, you know, change what the organization looks like for you personally within your, your professional career, what's been the most difficult change or transformation that you've had to go through? That, that's a great question. I, I think probably the humility and willingness to learn, not only do you not have all the right answers, but you're fallible. And I think just being humble enough that when a team member comes to you and says, hey, I'm struggling with this and with you specifically, <laughs> because you, you know you handled the situation this way and I didn't like that. And you know if you're their boss, it's easy to say, well, that's because you're wrong. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I think if I, I've just learned over time that if you're the right leader, the response is, is to introspectively say, well, did I handle that right? And clearly, if this individual has something they're concerned about, they're either not feeling that I'm being empathetic, that they're being heard. So I I think that's part of it. I also think being willing to take big bets. Early in my career, when we were at that four-person full-time team members, I sat down with kind of the individual that kind of owned a large part of the business at the time. And we had the president of the company leave, um, the one that had hired me. We had our creative director leave. We had our senior designer leave and we had the rest of our company. We had about six other individuals kind of get pulled into a different division slash company. And at that moment, he kind of sat down with me and said, you're the most senior person here. We have four full-time employees. Our revenue is 250,000 a year right now. It's nothing. What do you want to do? Should we close up shop and be done? Or do you think there's more to be had? And it was that moment, I remember sitting in that chair and I just said, you know, uh, we're either going big and we're going to grow this thing to be one of the most well-respected agencies in, in the state, or it's not worth our time. And he said, well, I'm willing to make the investment of, of time and people and human capital if you think we can do it. And it was hard and backbreaking work for year after year. And I'll say that I made a lot of mistakes. I look back at certain times and just cringe and think, wow, you know, that was a defining moment for me. But there was a lot of times that I feel like <laughs> I wasn't my best self, knowing what I know now versus then. And so I, yeah. I think people trusted me and either right or wrong. But I think being able to at least be uh, self-conscious of you're going to make mistakes and being humble enough to admit those, but also just having a vision, looking at the mountain and the summit that you want to head to and going all in. Hey, agency owners, I have an amazing product to share with you this week, Service Provider Pro. I'm absolutely in love with this platform. If you're currently running a productized service-based agency and you're looking for an all-in-one client management solution, 
this is for you. Service Provider Pro helps you sell services at scale. You can manage your clients, your payments, projects, all from one slick dashboard. Run reports, see where your projects are at, and give your team a single source of truth. And it all comes in a fully white-labeled package, so you look super pro in front of your clients. For more details and an extended free trial, head over to spp.co slash yougurus to sign up. That's spp.co forward slash yougurus. All right, let's get back to our show. So being in a room like that and saying, okay, are we going to go big or go home? I mean, it sounds great, right? To be like, yeah, let's go big, right? But what was the next step? What did that mean for you in terms of, or the business, the whoever was funding this? I mean, did that mean that they said, okay, we're a $200,000 business today. I'm willing to invest $100,000 to see if we can grow this thing. I mean, what was step one at that point? Because I feel like it's easy to be in a room and say, hey, let's go big or go home. But then I feel like so many people leave a room like that and then they keep doing things that are really similar to what they were doing before, right? They just kind of keep getting up to bat, which again, it's not necessarily a problem with that, but I do feel like if you're going to go big, was there then a big direct investment into the business? Was there like a campaign or a strategy that you said, look, here's what we're going to do to try to like 10X this thing? So the answer is our owner, the major owner at the time said, you can't lose money along the way. And we have to remain profitable. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> great, so, so but, great handcuffs on the situation, right? Let's go big, take big risks. But actually, we don't actually want to risk anything, right? We want to remain profitable the whole way, right? But but, but the thing that we did was we went out and found um, a business partner for me that was one of the most respected and still is one of the most respected creative individuals in the state. The most winningest creative director in the state of Utah became my business partner and his ability to know how to work with big accounts, how to build the right team, how to look for talent. But really, his gift was coaching the fulfillment teams, the creatives, the developers. He, he was brilliant at culture and brilliant at extending trust and having individuals come to him um, and being confident that he would understand them. And so he was certainly my senior by age, but also by experience. And so I, hitching my wagon with him, we were partners in in every sense of the word. And over that next kind of six-year period, we not only had the right perspective of how to build and grow the right team, but we began to look upstream, right? In terms of the kind of clients, we began to listen to what at the time, digital was becoming more and increasingly important in social media. And so we invested heavily and really being known as a you know digital agency with kind of a creative bent as change agents in that regard. And so, I mean, it was 80 to 90 hour weeks of time and uh, traveling conferences in the country and doing all that we could to win business. And slowly, year after year, we saw some pretty remarkable things. That's awesome. Congrats on the growth. Congrats on building leaders. I think there's very few things in this world when it comes to entrepreneurship and growing a company than actually growing other people to lead an organization. Because it's like, I don't know, I feel like it's the highest and best use of an agency owner's time or of uh, of leaders within an agency is to, to actually grow other successful people in the company. So congrats on that. Phil, it's been awesome to kind of listen, about, listen to your story and learn how you all have approached growth. And it's obviously paid off in a huge way. Do you have a few minutes to stick around for our lightning round? I, I certainly do. And and one, one last thing I'll just say, Brent, I, I heard this years ago and it stuck with me that it's not our responsibility 
to be the Olympic athlete and to go out and kill it every day as leaders of organizations. It's our role to be the Olympic coach. And if you can be the coach and be looking for and developing talent in your Olympic athletes and putting them out in front and having their success be of, of, of the utmost importance, that's what I found has allowed us to scale and grow in the right ways. It's awesome, man. I love that mindset for pulling it all together on, on this episode today. I think just having people shift for that. Because I feel like when you go from a small team, you kind of have to be that athlete, probably feel like you're the athlete that's playing nine sports. But I think as time goes on, you'll play fewer and fewer sports than if you can move to the coach role of that team. I think those are some big things that, that become possible. Awesome, man. Well, let's jump into lightning round. What is the best advice you've ever received? I'll tell you, recently I hiked uh, Cotopaxi down in Ecuador. It's one of the tallest mountains in the world from the center of the earth. Comes in just below 20,000 feet. And the guide that was leading our group that I would often be out with in front, I'm, I'm a very impatient individual and I always like to be first to the top. But when you're climbing really tall mountains, that's not necessarily a good thing. And as we were acclimatizing and going up the mountains and he, him trying to keep us healthy day after day, he continued to say with me or say to me, slow down and drink water. And to me that eventually I, I kind of began to understand slow down, don't be so impatient, but also make a little, make small improvements along the way. And so not only you're enjoying your journey, but just slow down at times and make sure, making sure that you've taken the time to kind of feed your body and spirit. That's awesome advice. I feel like I need a something on my, on my monitor that just says slow down and drink water, right? Which will trigger for like, all right, I need to take a break and maybe literally drink some water. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I, I would say the ability to, I, I think, be humble and introspective when people come to you with concerns. And I, I found that I usually don't know the answer a lot of the time, but being willing to being willing to admit when you're wrong and uh, improvements that you could make as a leader, I think that allows others to just knowing that there's no egos in an organization and, and not having an ego and not caring about right or wrong, but doing the right thing for the organization has gone a long way. Out of curiosity, is there a habit or tactic that you use to to do that introspection? I mean, are you like a journaler? Do you write? Do you have any kind of frameworks you use in that space? Yeah, I found for me taking time kind of at the beginning of the week on a Sunday, I, I do the journal. I like to take time at the end of the day and just jotting down a couple of to-dos and just reflecting on situations that I could have done better. I get that from my wife a lot that uh, she'll have a conversation and then rethink that conversation two to three times and often will come back to me a day or two later to say, hey, what do you think so-and-so meant? Or what did you mean when you said X, Y, and Z? And that's always a good reminder of uh, not just finishing a task and moving on and never thinking about that individual, but being able to dig a little bit deeper and ask, how is that individual doing? And maybe they misunderstood how that conversation was portrayed. And so I think on a daily, weekly basis, not only good habits and reading and study and reflection, but just being willing to put people first and prioritize them as you reflect back throughout the week. Phil, can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? So I've been recently using Remarkable too. Uh, which everything I do is digitized. I typically have typed my notes for years and everything I do is on a laptop and not a piece of paper. And uh, the Remarkable 2 has allowed me to remove a lot of that distraction. And so no longer do I go to meetings and start to type in my laptop. I'm getting text messages. 
I'm responding to emails and sometimes trying to have my mind elsewhere. But I particularly found that when I'm meeting with a client, but especially on one-on-ones with my team, they have my full undivided attention. And I think that's made a difference, at least for me in trying to really listen, but hopefully for them that they know that, that they have my full attention. Can you uh, recommend a book and tell us uh, why you made that recommendation that you think our listeners would like? Yeah. One of the recent books I just read was Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. And I mean, it's really just his life story and, and some principles along the way. But I love that book because he talks about continued challenges. And it reminds me a lot of some of the Arctic explorers. And I don't know if you've read any of the individuals that discover the North Pole and the South Pole, and you have Amundsen and others. And for me, just being able to journey uh, to new places and locations and just having this attitude of when you get a red light, that's not always bad. And red lights often lean to better green lights and uh, allowing you to accelerate your journey. And so I love that Matthew McConaughey, you know, biography of sorts that I, I recently read and just reminding me of the willingness to try new things, to be an explorer and not having, not knowing the end from the beginning is okay sometimes. Matthew McConaughey is a, he's a smart dude. He's come a long way since dazed and confused. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good storyteller as well. So, Well, Phil, we will link out to Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, as well as Remarkable 2 on our show notes page at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Listeners, if you're out there uh, on the road or on a run or on your bike like myself and you don't have a pen to write down notes from today's episode, just check out our show notes page. If you're listening to this week of, go to yougurus.com slash podcast. You'll see Phil's picture right up at the top. Click on Phil and you'll see lots of takeaways, insights, and links organized for you for today's episode. Phil, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check? I, I post to my LinkedIn sometimes regularly. I'm not a big social media guy, but from a article and, and kind of a thought leadership perspective, my LinkedIn profile might be the best place. Awesome. We will also link out to your LinkedIn profile as well as your agency's website at our show notes page at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you're listening and you want to become one of Phil's new fans for his intermittent posts to LinkedIn sometimes. You can check out our show notes page and you'll find Phil's LinkedIn profile. Definitely connect with him. I'm sure you're fine with people messaging you and and reaching out, but I think it'd be great for people to uh, to connect with you and learn a little bit more about what you're up to. Thanks for stopping by the program today. Appreciate it, Brent. It's been a pleasure. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook, the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Brent Weaver.